We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me right now is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee, and we're going to talk about our friends, the homies, over at Lamb Chops, sglambchops.com. While you're there, use promo code CANDLESTICK20. Get yourself 20% off. Follow them on Instagram at sglambchops. And hey, what are you buying while you're there? What are you not buying is a better question. Shorts? I've... Hoodies? Tees? Password it's... holder? It's very much been a lamb chops shorts summer over here, dude. Lamb um, cho- just nonstop, ahead, really, because they they have a bunch of like I've gotten we, I've been fortunate enough to get some lamb chops clothing the last couple of years, and the sweat shorts are amazing. You can wear them around the house, or if it's a little cooler outside, you've been pro sweat short for a long time. The mesh shorts also incredible, of course. Um, the newest mesh shorts have the same zippered pockets with those like super premium mm-hmm. zippers um as the sweat shorts have i think that's a newer development for them and it's just super premium super comfortable and when it's as hot as it is out here in in the central valley uh in sacramento you you got to have you got to have an array of shorts and uh thankfully lamb chops has come through and I can't recommend them enough. Quality, looks, everything you would want. Comfort. It's why it's why they're the best because right now it's summer. We're beating the heat and we're doing that with lamb chops, right? We got the shorts. They got tees. But then when it cools down and it's hoodie season, we got hoodies on deck too. Yeah. I'm going on I've a put, road trip, going to be doing some late night driving and uh, going to be living in that hoodie, I think, this weekend. So it's going to be yeah, fun. Dude, it's, it's, here's the thing I love about it. It is just perfectly oversized. Like, I don't want a skin tight hoodie. Like, I don't want a tight hoodie. I want my hoodie to be a little bit big. And the problem with other ones that I buy is you get them and okay, great, good fit, good fit. And you wash it once and it shrinks down and it's like, oh, I feel like I'm I'm stuck in this thing. I'm not like like comfortable in it. But it's the the lamb chops one, it's it's fits, it's the right size, but it's like just puffy enough that it's extremely comfortable. I I love it to death. It's nice when you don't have to feel like you do a core workout before you wear a piece of clothing yes thank see you understand (laughs) (laughs) they're minnesota based based fashion brand founded in 2012 their mission is to lead the herd with original and 
high quality clothing. As we just said, they do both of those things with flying colors. They offer one of a kind clothing options. They have unique statement pieces. They have everyday essentials, whatever your style lamb chops has got something for you. So get to sglambchops.com right now. Use that promo code candlestick 20, get yourself 20% off whether you want something now for summer, whether you want something for when it's a little bit cooler out, they got everything for you to check out their designs as well. On Instagram, follow them there at SG Lamb Chops. All right, we've got some 49ers training camp stuff. Uh, we're going to talk quarterbacks uh, a little bit. Adam Schefter said some interesting things on the Pat McAfee show. Kyle Shanahan may or may not actually know what Brock Purdy is doing. We'll explain that. And then we've got some non-quarterback storylines that uh, that we need to talk about because the quarterbacks have been so dominant in this conversation. We're going to get away from the quarterbacks briefly to talk about some non-quarterback storylines as well. Let's dive in. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. So the more I've thought about it, the more I've decided that Kyle Shanahan just like legitimately has no idea what's going on with Brock Purdy's like return timeline, for lack of a better word. Because he said something on on Thursday. He's been multiple times. I went and looked July 25th and July 30th. He very explicitly said he's going to get two days off and then two days on. He said that on July 25th. And then Nick Wagner, our favorite cast member from ESPN, get his uh, per show mention in here early, asked Shanahan specifically on July 30, is it one day off, two days on? And Shanahan said, no, it's two days off, two days on. So Brock Purdy, based on the schedule that he's followed through the first week and a half of camp, should have been off today because team gets a day off. He then gets a day off. And then he practices the last two practices. That's how it's gone. So he should have been off today after the day off Wednesday, but he was out there practicing. And when Shanahan got asked, like, hey, has he taken some progress in his rehab? Is he now not getting the extra day off? Shanahan's like, what? No, that's, he's just doing what he's always done. This is what we're doing. This is why we're doing three days. It's one on two off. (laughs) And no, it's not. You've said multiple times that it's not. So I ask you, does Shanahan just not have any idea? And he's just in the wind, listening to team doctors and training staff. And when they say Purdy's going to practice, he's going to practice. Two, did Purdy actually take this step in his rehab? But Shanahan doesn't want to explicitly state that yet in the event that, hey, Brock's sore in the morning and Shanahan doesn't want there to be this pressure for him to go practice. And now if he doesn't practice one day it's this big thing you got a setback or whatever or three are we going insane <laughs> i hadn't thought about the second prompt in that kyle shanahan's just sort of being coy and and you know giving himself breathing room in case brock purdy does have a setback at some point mm-hmm. um or or is sore i don't even want to say a setback but or is like too sore to practice one day or whatever mm-hmm. Generally, in my experience covering Kyle Shanahan, 
there are some things that he just doesn't really pay a whole lot of attention to. Um, but he is more or less responsible for, particularly when it comes to messaging to the media, right? Like Kyle Shanahan doesn't care about kickers and punters. He's just kind of like, get me a good one. He's not pouring over. (laughs) He's not pouring over kickers and punter tape. Uh, he's got more important things to do with his time. Like come up with the next evolution in modern football offense. Right. I would equate to an individual player having a very specific plan formulated by the team's performance staff as something that Shanahan views is like, whatever they got it handled. If he's out there practicing, then we're going to practice with them. If he's not, then he's not. Um, mm-hmm. So it could have been that his plan, his recovery plan called for him taking a little bit less rest as we dive into the second week of training camp because they said at the beginning that uh, it would take two weeks before Brock Purdy would be like all the way back and, and participating normally. So it's not really a surprise to me that after one week, we're seeing Brock take one fewer day off between practicing that that would make sense in terms of that being the plan. And it would also make sense in terms of Shanahan, not really remembering or not memorizing the exact intricacies of Brock Purdy's plan and just kind of being like, Oh yeah, he's out there. So, you know, he's going to, he's going to get the reps. Like the plan's written down somewhere. It's just not etched in his mind because he's thinking about, um, he's thinking about a running play. He wants to run against a certain look and he wants to go get that down on paper more than like recite Brock Purdy's exact recovery (laughs) schedule. So I, Let's take let's take that at, at face value because I think that's probably what happened. Again, we don't know for sure. But if that's the case, then Brock Purdy took some sort of step to yeah. be practicing the first it's the first time in this camp that he's not taken two days off between practices. Or two days he was he was two days off, two days on, two days off, two days on. Well, this he was one day off and now he's on again and he's supposed to be two days on. Saturday will be the big tell, right? If he's off Saturday, then okay, there was just a small tweak in his schedule for whatever reason. But if he practices Saturday, then and if he's ahead of schedule, because they said a couple weeks, if he was ahead of schedule on this two days off thing, would that be a shock? I wouldn't be surprised. Well, I would say him starting training camp healthy and, and cleared to practice feels like ahead of schedule, right? Right. That's what I mean is he's been ahead of schedule this whole time. So, yeah, I would say it, just like zooming out a little bit, Brock Purdy's availability has has probably been one of the more um, underappreciated, I guess. Dude, <laughs> I'm with you. Training camp because be, like, you know, I thought going into camp, it was like, is, are we going to see Brock Purdy practice before any preseason games? Is he going to get like yeah. a week or two before the regular season starts? And then he's. You know, and then is that going to be enough time for him to to get the reps he needs to get ready for the season? I was like, nope, day one of camp. He's he's there. He's practicing. He's in there. Um, Technically, it was day two, but he was cleared by day one. Right. I mean, he's he's been practicing in earnest. He's obviously still on a pitch count and has his has his recovery plan and all that. But like the fact that he started camp practicing more or less is a super positive development for. I think everybody involved, right? Because 
as much discussion as there's been about Trey Lance and everything sort of surrounding the entire quarterback group, like for the 49ers to get the guy who they believe is their starting quarterback back healthy after having surgery to repair his ligament in his throwing elbow, like that's, Mm -hmm. that's a pretty big deal. Um, and, and it hasn't really gotten talked about. And I think the 49ers ultimately, like, despite all the like discussion and how upset people seem to get about it, I think the 49ers have to feel really good about their quarterback room right now Mm -hmm. in the sense that like they have three guys that they like, maybe even four guys that they like the Brandon Allen stuff. We'll see. I, I still don't buy the idea that Brandon Allen is like somehow competing on, on the same playing field with Sam Darnold and Trey Lance. He's not. Can we just, he's not. <laughs> I don't think he is, but we've seen Kyle Shanahan do weird things before. So, so it's a guy but I, I think with. otherwise in terms of like, I'm winning with Brandon Allen. I, I do. <laughs> I do think there are a lot of people who, who look at this, the 49ers quarterback situation as kind of a cluster. Well, I think Kyle Shanahan is is pretty pumped to be like, and we'll talk about what Adam Schefter said about Trey Lance in a little bit, but obviously the messaging's been out there that they love Sam Darnold, or at least are very impressed with Sam Darnold. Who knows if that's going to last? Um, but I think just in general, the 49ers have, have to feel pretty good about where things stand at quarterback, given that Brock Purdy's healthy, given that Trey Lance seems to be improved and healthy and also that Sam Darnold is good enough to compete with Trey Lance um, after the 49ers felt good enough about Trey Lance to make him their starter going into last year. So, right. you know, I maybe maybe I'm zagging a little bit on the general angst surrounding the 49ers quarterback situation, but I think behind closed doors or even, you know, even publicly, like the way they talk about it, I think the 49ers are pretty excited about what they have at at their quarterback situation because they do have depth. Like they do have guys who have, you know, Trey Lance is very limited experience, obviously, but like they have a pretty talented group, I think overall. And I think they're good enough and the infrastructure is good enough and the skill position players are good enough. And Kyle Shanahan's play calling is good enough that they could potentially win games with, any of those three guys they're just going with Brock based on what he did last year and how impressive it was right I think that's kind of the whole the whole crux of it they have a guy who went five and oh and then they scored 30 points a game so that guy is going to play or get the first chance to play he's not getting a 10-year contract He's just getting the first crack at it. And they've needed two plus quarterbacks in five out of the six years that Shanahan's been head coach. So you want to make sure that you have good quarterbacks. Yeah. I, I just don't think it's that. I don't, I think trying to make it something deeper, like maybe they keep four quarterbacks. Maybe they knee jerk that hard and keep four on the 53 man roster. I don't think they're going to, but. I don't think the solution to they ran out of capable quarterbacks last year is cutting Trey Lance or Sam Darnold to keep Brandon Allen or anything insane like that. It just feels like a lot of the, a lot of the, to use your word here, angst 
comes from a preference of one guy over the other and people wanting to be right about their guy. And so they view the competition between Lance and Darnold as something greater than that. Right. And it's just not, man. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Can we, can we talk about what Adam Schefter said about Trey Lance? Because I think that the last time we recorded a pod, um, this we're was talking super about interesting. This came out. <laughs> we were talking about all the discussion among sort of national media members. And some of them were citing like, like local media discussions about, you know, Trey Lance being on shaky ground or whatnot. Adam Schefter mm-hmm. came out and said something that I think you and I both have have sort of believed in that is that like he went on Pat McAfee's show and said Trey Lance had the best summer he's ever had and mm-hmm. that the 49ers think he's more prepared than he's ever been. And I think generally the 49ers feel pretty optimistic about where Trey Lance is. But the reason why it's still Brock Purdy is is just like they were so impressed with and this isn't what Schefter said but like what Purdy did last year was so impressive to Kyle Shanahan that that's the reason why he's getting the first the first crack and look Mm -hmm. and I tweeted something just like basically a few days ago just saying like here's my view of the 49ers quarterback situation which we talk about all the time in this pod and I got a lot of blowback from pro Trey people and one thing I would say to pro Trey people would be like, if you're really riding hard for Trey Lance, the 49ers are absolutely the right team for him to be on because no good team plays their backup quarterbacks as often as the 49ers do. <laughs> right. <laughs> so if you want to see Trey Lance play on a good team, if he's a backup for the 49ers, there's a pretty good chance that that's going to happen because otherwise we see a lot of young quarterbacks go and flounder on bad teams while given an opportunity to play. Right. So, right like Trey Lance being a backup on a good team um, for right now is, is a pretty good place to be. And I would just exhibit patience. And this is another thing that Nick's been harping and he's been saying it's us. And he, he went on D-Lo and KC in, um, in Sacramento and said, like, all this stuff is subject to change. Like there's nothing certain about the 49ers quarterback situation. There really has never been anything certain about the 49ers quarterback situation Mm -hmm. going all the way back to 2017 when Brian Hoyer broke camp as a starter and was replaced by CJ Beathard early on. And then the 49ers trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. The only time they've had a full season with one starting quarterback was 2019. Yeah. Right. So it's just (laughs) 49ers fans should be conditioned to expect change. And I think that's why they are comfortable going into the season with three guys Mm -hmm. because they've realized they've needed three guys in the majority of their time. Like Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch in particular realize that we we might need to dip into our third string quarterback at some point. Yes. So that's like, instead of like pitting all the quarterbacks against each other, I think the more healthy approach from a fan standpoint is probably going to be like, well, I like this guy, but no matter who it is, there's a reasonable chance we're going to see him all play in regular sure. season games. And then we'll be able to judge that instead of arguing on Twitter about who we all think, sorry, arguing he, on X, who we all think is, <laughs> is, is going to be the best quarterback. The insane thing to me is 
Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers are trying to win the Super Bowl. They're not trying, they're not sitting there going, you know what? Brock's a really fun guy. We think he stinks, but you know what? We're going to put him out there because, you know what? Pat on the back, pal. Nice work. You did it. No, man. If they thought that, I genuinely think that if Brock Purdy week one, let's say, I don't know. I don't want to put anything bad on him. Brock Purdy says, you know what? I'm not ready to play week one. I'm not going to, I'm not ready. And the 49ers had to go on, had to go into the week with Trey Lance as their starter or Sam Bradford as their starter. I think they would feel really good about their chances to win. I don't think they'd feel good if Sam Bradford was their starter. Did I say Sam Bradford? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sam Darnold, Darnold. point stand. (laughs) (laughs) If Sam Bradford was the Niners quarterback, how many games did they win? Uh, geez. I mean, he's definitely, he gets a full camp. I was going to say he's definitely getting hurt at some point. He gets full camp. Sam Bradford, more than any quarterback of his generation, led all quarterbacks in looking like a punter in a football uniform. (laughs) (laughs) Great call. Brock Purdy, not far behind him. No, um, that's a joke. Purdy's got some tree trunks, man. He's uh... no, he does. He does. He's 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 half dick for sure. He's what? Yeah, I. They just. That's the. And if look, if you are a huge Trey Lance fan, so much so that you're rooting against the other players on the 49ers, then like that's your prerogative as a fan. But ultimately, every fan wants the team to win a Super Bowl. The 49ers are doing what they think is going to take to get there. And the other disconnect here, because I saw this the other day again on on Twitter, and honestly talking to people outside of Twitter too, I have friends outside of the internet, is this idea that, oh, well, the 49ers are purposely playing an average quarterback. They don't think Brock's average is is the disconnect here. They don't look at what Brock did last year and went, yeah, he's basically Jimmy, let's start him. They think there's like a star level quarterback there. Yeah. Shanahan called Brock today the real deal. And you mentioned on, on Tim Kawakami's podcast. Again, you should, if you've not listened to Shanahan with, with on Kawakami's pod, you should. It's really good. But he said Brock is a dude. Like they, he's a dude. He doesn't talk about players like this. And if he thought Brock was just some random asshole quarterback, he wouldn't talk about him like that. But the 49ers view him so highly. And I think that's a little bit where a lot of the, kind of disconnect comes in is like, man, the 49ers think that right now Brock Purdy is better than Trey Lance, whether you agree or disagree, it's up to you. But the 49ers don't see them as, as equals necessarily. Right. And I, I don't think there's this another thing. And we've sort of alluded to this. I don't think Kyle Shanahan looks at it being like, this is the guy for the next 10 years. I think he, I think he looks at it like this is the guy that's going to give us the best chance to win week one. And I've seen so much crazy stuff happen in my quarterback room that I have to be prepared for anything that's thrown at us. 
Yes. And maybe it is that Trey Lance ends up being the face of the franchise because maybe, mm-hmm. maybe Trey Lance starts for, you know, whatever reason, Trey Lance gets 10 starts this year and the 49ers go nine and one and average 35 points a game. And Trey Lance balls out and gives the offense a, a, an element that it hasn't had with his athleticism and that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like this stuff changes. And if so, you told me if you came from the future and told me that's how the season went, I wouldn't even. No, I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised at all either. Bad an eye at that. If you told me that happened with Sam Darnold, I'd be a little shocked. So I, I, I do think there's just generally a disconnect between the idea that like Kyle Shanahan starting Brock Purdy over Trey Lance does not mean that Kyle Shanahan is trying to sign Brock Purdy to a Patrick Mahomes half a billion dollar contract. It's just right. that like. Based on what he saw last year, this is the guy who gives us the best chance to win the next game. And I, I agree. It's, it's super cliche, but I honestly think that's how Kyle Shanahan looks at it. There's so much urgency to win a Super Bowl. That's the thing. is Shanahan's in year seven, and they don't have a Lombardi trophy to show for it. Yeah. At some point, that starts to matter. It may not matter now. It may not matter next year. It may not even matter the year after that. But at some point, that starts to matter. And if they want to win one with this core of players, they have a year, maybe two, to get that done. So there's just a lot of urgency. The thing I, just to get back to what Schefter was saying, this is the other kind of interesting aspect of this. I don't think the 49ers are aiming to get rid of Trey Lance or want to get rid of Trey Lance or have given up or have punted on him as a quarterback. I don't think they're eager to get him out the door where, and we talked about it last pod. There's just no point in cutting him. There's no point just giving him away in a trade. I don't think I heard. I heard going back to deal on KC on ESPN 1320 in Sacramento. I heard somebody calling in today saying the 49ers are sabotaging Trey Lance. No, they're not, man. <laughs> if they had, if you told Shanahan, if they had drafted Trey Lance in 2017, Trey Lance probably starts every game. And then probably starts every game in 2018, too. But that's just not where they're at. So it's a weird timing thing, for sure. But I don't think the 49ers are giving up on or hate Trey Lance in any kind of way. He's just battling for a backup job right now. That's probably the most important spot on the roster. Yeah, the backup quarterback job might be the most important spot. That's a great point. The backup quarterback job might be the most important on the 40, like maybe more than any other team even. For, for, for multiple reasons. Yeah. One, just the injury history at the position under, under Kyle Shanahan Two, we have to allow for the fact or not the fact, the situation where Purdy just comes out and is not great. Maybe that happens. Like that's also on the table where he comes out, they lose week one. Maybe they go to LA and win, but then they come home on Thursday night and they lose to the Giants. And they're sitting there at their bye week. I think their bye week's after week eight. They're sitting there at their bye week at like two and six. That's on the table. That's not insane. Well, also, like what's what's the what's the Achilles heel? Take it take the quarterback out of it. What's the Achilles heel of the roster? The offensive line. The offensive line. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry. The offensive that line. That just really threw me so, for a second. 
so you know like it might not even be about Brock like Brock Purdy could be playing great but if he gets hurt because he doesn't have great protection like I, I think that's part of the discussion too that gets a little bit overlooked in that like in all of their postseason losses and the biggest moments of their respective seasons the 49ers offensive line has gotten whooped mm-hmm. the fourth quarter against the Chiefs the fourth quarter against the Rams and obviously last year against Philly and against it wasn't Dallas. great and against Dallas right like against those elite defensive players like the 49ers offensive line particularly the interior hasn't been good enough and now you have a new right tackle in the mix and so whether or not like even if Brock Purdy comes out and he's improved from last year mm-hmm. we cannot nobody can guarantee that Brock Purdy's going to play 17 games so i i, I just think that that's that's something that's got to be on Kyle Shanahan's mind also. But I, I'm i with you 100%. Like, it doesn't make sense to cut Trey Lance. It doesn't make sense to trade him when his value is low, when you need bodies at the position. And, and you're Brandon not going to trade for anything that helps you this year. Yeah, and Brandon Allen isn't even getting reps and move the ball drills in practice recently. He got 0-11 okay. on 11 reps today, Thursday. And maybe he'll maybe Kyle Shanahan will give, will give him fifteen tomorrow. Who knows? But <laughs> but yeah, I, I think the biggest that like the biggest thing that that I would say to 49ers fans or the most important thing when it comes to this quarterback situation is to just not look at it like Kyle Shanahan thinks Brock's the guy for the next decade and a half. Mm-hmm. Understand that Kyle Shanahan's going into it with a very short-term view, like who's going to help us win in Pittsburgh Mm -hmm. and then is operating from there. And then once the season plays out and you get a better picture of where your quarterback situation is, if Brock Purdy improves, then yeah, you might start looking at the guy who's going to get a massive contract extension at some point. If he doesn't, man, maybe it's Kirk Cousins next year. If he gets hurt and Trey Lance comes in and plays well, then maybe Trey Lance ends up getting an extension. Trey Lance comes in and doesn't play well and has to replace Brock Purdy because he sprained an ankle and was out for two weeks. Then you're probably trading Trey Lance in the offseason to get out from the $10 million he's owed next year Mm -hmm. because you're not going to pay. I mean, that's the thing with Trey Lance. I think I firmly believe Trey Lance is going to be on the roster this year, but if he's not the starting quarterback, I don't see the 49ers paying him $10 million next year when their salary cap crunch becomes pretty real. The other for now, we have a whole season to let play out before even thinking about that decision. The other aspect of this, and then we can move on. I think a lot of the conversation or the thought process about, about Trey Lance specifically, but I guess Trey Lance and Sam Darnold is so much of the conversation between February and July 24 was under under the impression that Brock Purdy wasn't going to be healthy until maybe the end of camp. Right. And might not be ready for week one. So it was this Darnold-Lance battle for the starting job. In the scenario where Brock Purdy was healthy on July 25, 
that starting position was never open. And so this idea that, hey, Trey Lance should be battling for it, no, that was never, ever going to happen. As long as Brock Purdy was healthy on July 25th. Now, if he stinks through all of camp and reports are that he's been fine as he knocks off rust, then, okay, we can have a, you know, we can look into it. But until he's unable to complete a forward pass in practice, he's going to be the starter. And that was just always, it was Trey Lance and and Sam Darnold. I'll include Sam Darnold for all the Sam Darnold heads that listen. Trey Lance and Sam Darnold realistically were not going to do enough with the reps that they were given in practice to overcome what Brock Purdy did in the regular season and to a lesser extent in the postseason last year. That was just not a, that was not a realistic thing that was on the table. Yeah. And to look at Trey Lance, like they invested so much in him, they have to develop him at this point going into year three, when you've had success with other quarterbacks, not named Trey Lance in his first two seasons, you can't Mm -hmm. be like the poker player who made a bunch of big bets and lost and now have to make make big bets to to make up for it, right? You can't be chasing mm-hmm. hands. You're chasing pots. Hey, scared money don't make money. <laughs> no, but like it's it's you, you can't look at Trey Lance at this point and be like, well, we invested all those picks and going up to get him. You know, like you just can't. You have to operate like you you have to have a clear head on your shoulders and evaluate each guy on their own merits not based on the investment you made because that's yeah that's ancient history at this point out the window so it took that was a good honestly that was a fair argument in 2021 when yeah. Jimmy garoppolo wound up starting <laughs> yeah i don't know they've gone to two nfc championship games so it's tough to tough to argue but it's hard like to said, be at some point they got to bring a super bowl trophy home it's very very hard to be a great team and we're seeing we saw it with the warriors right it's hard to be a great team with more or less two timelines one developmental timeline and mm-hmm. one like we got to win a championship right now it's just a very yeah. difficult needle to thread and whoever that young guy is or those young guys are they got to be stars early on in their career otherwise it's it's much harder to work out than it would be if like if trey lance went to the falcons he'd be their unquestioned starter he mm-hmm. would be getting all the first team reps. It would be like, all right, yeah. Trey's the guy. Trey's the face of the franchise until he isn't. Whereas the Niners are like, no, we won playoff games with Brock Purdy last year. Like we don't, we don't have time to like wait and see on Trey Lance. We we need to replicate what we did last year, which we know we can do with this guy. Hypothetically, they don't even know what bad Brock Purdy looks like. <laughs> He's never lost a game that he started and finished. Right. So. That where he started and stayed healthy. He technically started and finished the NFC Championship game. Right. Okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I I don't know. I just I think it's gotten made way more complicated than it ever really was. Yes. Let's move on. Let's take a quick break and let's talk about some non-quarterback storylines. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hey, it's your friends Kyle and Chris here with SG Lamb Chops, our homies, and our favorite fashion brand. Check them out at sglambchops.com. Go to Instagram and follow them at SG Lamb Chops. What's that? That's a Minnesota-based fashion brand. They were founded in 2012, and they emphasize attention to detail and premium quality, and that's reflected in the Lamb Chops brand cleaver logo. It's so sick. It's such a sick logo. It's just a really clean, just a cleaver. And it's a custom cut and fit for every single piece. Chris, you and I both have a closet full of this stuff. And I've yet to have something from them that I don't like. I think the emphasis is definitely on quality and comfort. And we talked about it before, but we live in an era where comfort is really at the forefront when it comes to clothing. And with all these athleisure brands, very few of them are fashionable. But Lamb Chops takes all that comfort and that quality that you need, and they happen to make very fashionable items. Also, you can get just very comfortable mesh shorts with pockets. We all love those, but they can look a little bit boring sometimes. You can get some leopard print. You can get some inverted leopard print. So the inverted leopard print looks kind of cool. It looks almost like a dark camo. Well, you can get That's regular it. leopard print if you want to stand out a little bit. Um, you and I have both rocked the various animal prints. I don't, they're not even animal prints, but they're just you can get shorts with orcas and wolves and lions, mm. favorite animals. Um, you can get basic sweat shorts. Um, everything's just super comfortable, super premium and super stylish. And I think that's that's just a great combo for for any clothing brand. But Lamb Chops really stands out among the rest for that. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we love working with them. 
Lamb Chops is leading the herd with original and high-quality clothing. They offer one-of-a-kind clothing options from unique statement pieces to your everyday essentials. So join the group that's leading the herd, SG Lamb Chops. That's sglambchops.com. And on Instagram, at sglambchops. Follow them right now. We always talk about, especially when we talk about the homies over at Lamb Chops, we always talk about like hoodie season. Do you know what August really is? Enlighten me. Javon Kinlaw season. <laughs> what are we, year three now of Javon Kinlaw looking great in camp? So this feels different though. This I I joke, but this feels this feels legitimately different to me. Yeah, I mean the the thing is with Kinlaw, he's always he always looked like he's always looked the part. He's right. changed his body a lot, but even as a rookie, I remember watching him at training camp and he was just like, God, this guy's a monster. Right? Like, like I thought he would be like Fletcher Cox like early on, right? Mm-hmm. And it just hasn't really worked out, I think mostly because of the knee injuries. And obviously there's some other stuff that's popped up with him that's been a little weird. But like to the point where if Javon Kinlaw like dominates his reps in preseason games because i think they're going to give him a lot of run in preseason games yeah then it'll be like okay maybe they have something in this guy Mm -hmm. because javon kinlaw looks great physically in every single training camp but then it's like oh javon kinlaw mispracticed because of knee injury and kyle shanahan said oh it's just something we got to manage and then it turns into you know it getting irritated yeah, it's irritated and then it gets worse and then it requires surgery and his season's over. Right. So Played 10 games the last two years. It's currently the third day of August. So we cannot we, we cannot act like Javon Kinlaw has arrived or expect him to be amazing because he's looked good early on in camp. But if it's to the point where he's not missing practice for anything other than simple rest and his knee is not flaring up, then I think it's okay to have a little, or it's reasonable to have some, some optimism going into this season for him. And I really think the addition of Javon Hargrave, where you have an established starter in front of Kinlaw and instead of handing Kinlaw starting job, he's going to have to really battle for his reps and play with a ton of urgency every time he's on the field. I just think that's a different mindset for him and it's probably a better way to unlock him. I agree. Or optimize him as like the third or fourth interior defensive tackle as opposed to one of your top two guys. It allows you to kind of pick and choose what he's good at and plug him into those spots specifically. Yeah. Instead of you're going to be on the field for most of the snaps doing a million different things. Maybe he's good at these two things and that's how he's going to be in the rotation and he's going to go dominate 25 snaps a game. Yeah. And maybe he can stay healthy that way. I just, I feel this way about like, (laughs) I feel this way about Jake Moody where (laughs) you can only, you can only check so many boxes in camp. At some point you have to get into a game situation and do it. Sure. But for for Javon Kinlaw, well, yeah, of course, we need to see him do it in games. The fact that he hasn't taken a day off yet, the fact that he's participating in full, 
the fact that he looks good in practice and is playing well in practice, good. Those are all boxes that we have not been able to check in really any offseason of his. So, so far, so good on Javon Kinlaw. Again, there's other hurdles to go before he's going to be a productive member of the defensive line. But honestly, like just for him, the fact that we've gotten to August 3rd, he's in good shape, he's healthy, he's playing well, that's so much better than where he was at this point last year. Yeah, I would say so. So I'm I'm very happy for Javon Kinlaw again. Not saying he's going to go out and and dominate this year and make a Pro Bowl, but I think he's in a in a good position to kind of take a step forward that we've been waiting for him to take. Just be like his fourth year. And this isn't meant to be like disrespectful, but like for John Javon Kinlaw to just be a useful player over an entire season mm-hmm. would be yeah, a huge upgrade in comparison to what they've gotten from him so far. Yeah. No, if if Javon Kinlaw is the player, I don't think he's gonna ever gonna be the player they were hoping he would be. But if he is like you said, a quality just rotational defensive tackle, that would That'd be that'd be huge for them. That was a position that they really struggled with last year. So, yeah. Shout out to Javon Kinlaw. I hope he stays healthy. Just a fully healthy season from him would be would be a nice little dub. Staying on the defensive line, Nick Bosa still not in camp. Big deal, small deal, no deal. I'm gonna say small deal. Okay. I think early on in camp, it's really. Like the first week, it's kind of no deal, right? I think the first week of training camp is like when everyone's just so excited to just see football again that they're like, you lose sight of like what the process actually is and be like, oh, we're really far away from actual football. Mm-hmm. So for for Nick Bosa to miss that, I don't think is a big deal. But we're starting to get to the point where like, I mean, you don't want him signing the contract a week before the season starts right right like signs a contract on tuesday and then comes to practice wednesday and that wednesday before week one is the first time you know that's just not an ideal situation because it's like it would it would be a minor miracle for nick bosa to miss all of training camp and then go to pittsburgh and play 50 snaps at a defensive player of the year level, right? Like yeah, so, every player needs a buildup. Okay. So at what point then does it become a big deal for you? Because John Lynch, when he was asked about this the other day, talked about being prepared and, you know, Bosa staying in great shape. And Lynch said he felt like he needed three weeks of camp to get his body calloused and to get in shape and, and ready to play football. So that's been the line for me. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. The The thing is with football is it's like, it's not really like basketball or, yeah, or baseball <laughs> where you can just like, <laughs> oh, the rhythm will come, mm-hmm. right? Like say Nick Bosa shows up four days before week one and gets a week of practice in and then plays and either, you know, that like there's a, he's, he would only probably play 20 or 30 snaps, right? Or, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around this because I don't envision a scenario where he's coming back four days before the game. No, I know, but just like that, but that's what you start to worry about when you see like contract impasses like this. Yeah, sure. But what I would like, 
but my point is with football, there can be some slippery slope things that happen where like, Mm -hmm. oh, you're not conditioned week one and your body's not in great shape. And then, oh, it takes a while to recover going into week two. And then you're really sore when you're playing week two. And then maybe you suffer an injury and then you're out for a month. And then you're sort of starting all over again. And then you never really get like, that's sort of what happened with Debo Samuel in 2020. Right. Mm -hmm. Like he broke his foot in the off season. And it was like, he never really had a training camp. And obviously 2020 was its own, its own entity in terms of like all the crazy stuff that happened that year. Um, But it was sort of like a worst case scenario for Debo Samuel that year, because it was like, never really had a training camp. And in part because, you know, he never really got in shape. And then when he did play, he would get injured because he wasn't in shape. And then it ultimately just ended up being sort of a lost season. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's to me what I worry about when I worry when, when I think about like the idea of Nick Bosa's holdout prolonging sure. for a long time. Now, that's not to say Nick Bosa isn't going to come in in amazing shape. Right. Like he works Mm -hmm. out. He's probably one of the best players in the NFL. Maybe since I've started covering the Niners, maybe the best player in terms of just like the offseason prep work he does to get just an elite exerciser, just elite at exercising, like the most elite at exercising. (laughs) Um, But, you know, exercising is not playing football. And there's just a certain there's it's a cliche, but like football shape is different than being in shape. Right. So that that's so when you when you get inside sort of that three week threshold that I think John Lynch outlined, that becomes problematic if he's not able to get into proper football shape during that time, because you don't really want your best player. Or one of your best players to be sort of like, you know, like this is what August is for. It's to ramp up. Right you don't really want him ramping up in September because all these games matter a whole lot. And they could be the difference between, you know, a winner or a loss in September could be the difference between hosting the NFC championship game and going to Philadelphia in the NFC championship game. And so those are like, when you get inside that three week mark, that's when it starts to be a little bit problematic. So for right now, I think it's a small deal, but if like two weeks from now, then I think it gets towards, you know, big so deal Thursday, point. August 17 is your big deal point. <laughs> yes. All right. Mark it on your calendar. I think that's my next payday. So I think uh, I think I already got that one circled. This Chris got day. the panic button. You're ready to dust it off. <laughs> no, I think the, the fascinating thing about this is the Debo contract extension. That was weird because what position does he play? How do you value him in the wide receiver market when he's so valuable also as a running back? And all this other how do you so how how do you how do you figure that out? With Bosa, I imagine his agent went and said, We'd like to be the highest paid non quarterback in the NFL. And I can't imagine the 49ers are balking at that idea. No, but the complication comes in, I think, in exactly how to structure that money 
and the 49ers trying to fit his contract in with all these other big contracts they have in a way that doesn't force them in two years to just start punting guys out the door who are on who are on these bigger deals. Because if you start doing that and you, they take away their huge advantage of having this really good roster. So I think that's probably where a lot of the hangups are is just in the, in the structure of that deal more than the, there's not an argument over how good or impactful Nick Bosa is. You know, there's not, he's the reigning defensive player of the year. He led the league in sacks. He's an elite run defender. I, that, I, that's, that there is why I'm confident that this isn't going to go down to that, you know, three week mark that we just talked about. Yeah. I think there are going to have to be some concessions made probably more likely on the 49ers part, because I do think Nick Bosa has more leverage than the Niners do. Yeah. But he's under contract. He should honor the contract. (laughs) That's the Um, worst take on the internet, by the way, there's a lot of dog shit takes on the internet. Holdout player is under contract and should honor his contract is the worst of them. Yes, I would agree, particularly in a sport like football. It just misses the point. Like, I get it. I get it. Like, in a vacuum, I get it. But it misses the point. That makes sense in, like, accounting, where you're not, (laughs) like, where you're not going to go to work one day and then something will happen at work and then you'll be unable to be an accountant for the rest of your life. (laughs) (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah, honor also, your contract. Also, also, contract as an accountant, fully guaranteed. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I think that the sticking point for the 49ers is probably some semblance of flexibility. Yeah, and the the generally the issue with these contracts or these negotiations, the flexibility is tied directly to the guaranteed money. The less guaranteed mm-hmm. money, the more flexibility a team has right like if nick bosa could sign a 300 million dollar contract over the next 10 years with zero guarantees and the 49ers would probably love that because then they would be able to move everything around every year and restructure but then they could also if nick bosa suffers a debilitating injury they could cut him Mm -hmm. without any without any repercussions right so nick bosa's camp obviously wants as much of that money guaranteed as possible and guaranteeing money limits your flexibility and flexibility is at such a premium for the 49ers right now because they have so many highly compensated players on their roster Mm -hmm. and they're like already projected to be in the red next year Mm -hmm. that it becomes pretty difficult obviously not impossible but it becomes pretty difficult to create a contract that compensates Nick Bosa fairly and also gives you the flexibility you need to put together a Super Bowl contending team with a ton of players, maybe more players than any other team in the league making money at the top of, at the top of the market relative to their position. Right. So yeah, I, I think the 49ers between Prague Marate and just their history, um, I think they're gonna figure it out. But like when when we do get the the structure, which we know is so important. Vital. <laughs> when 
when we do get the structure of the contract, I think it's going to be insanely complicated. And we'll be like, okay, yeah, this is this is why it took so long to, to figure out. It'll be like Trent Williams, which was like basically two, three-year contracts and like really maneuverable, but also guaranteed a lot. Like it was very, very complicated. I think this Six is going to be one-year some... contracts. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm confident. I'm relatively confident it'll get done, but I think we're probably two weeks away from it being to the point where it's like, okay, this is problematic. I don't think it's problematic yet, but there's a world where it definitely gets there. Yep, I'm with you. A couple other notes from from practice on Thursday. So then I just had to do some weird offensive line stuff because John Feliciano's out dealing with an injury. Aaron Banks is in concussion protocol. Jalen Moore has a bone bruise, which led the 49ers' first team offensive line to be Leroy Watson at left tackle. He's a converted tight end who was an undrafted rookie with the Falcons last year. Uh, and then at left guard, they had Nick Zakel and Jason Poe, who we just talked about on the last spot, rotating in at, at left guard. And this was, I think, in the larger offensive line conversation, this was the big concern, right? Maybe their starting offensive line is fine, and not that there are teams with, you know, strapped with offensive line depth, but man, it might get really rough if the Niners have an offensive lineman go down this year. Could be, but maybe these reps are valuable for Leroy Watson and he becomes a swing tackle and everything's hunky dory. Yeah. I mean, Trent Williams is healthy. It was just sort of a vet day off. It was the first day off and off day. So they gave, a lot of their guys the day off so they would get in essence an extra day of rest which is great it underscores them. the importance of trent williams by the way yeah it's woof. if you were to okay let's let's play this game real quick oh boy the top three most indispensable 49ers in order trent williams one um George Kittle, two? Fred Warner, three? No, they have too many weapons now. I'm taking George Kittle out. No disrespect. I mean, Nick, we just talked about Nick Bosa, I feel like. Yeah, that's why I'm going to put I'm gonna put Fred Warner, two, Nick Bosa, three. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I would probably flip those two. That's fine. I'm not going to argue. But I do think Trent Williams is their most indispensable player because yeah. you can still have a pretty good defense or like you can still have a pretty good defensive line if you're missing Nick Bosa. It's obviously mm-hmm. harder. The Niners offensive line might crater without Trent Williams. It would be really bad. I don't know how you coach around having a left tackle that can't play. It's tough. Or I shouldn't say that. That's extreme. A subpar left tackle. So Watkins would be what? Their fourth string left tackle? third tbd on matt Pryor, who was not right. in the mix today with the first team but if it's is he, he and more i don't think so okay well i don't want to overreact to uh august 3rd offensive line combinations just the good, yet <laughs> the good news is none of none of the injuries sound super long term 
So they should be okay, you know, in the next in the next couple of weeks, or at least going into week one, assuming nothing bad happens. It just seeing those names, seeing names like Leroy Watson and Jason Poe and Nick Sakel with the first team offensive line, it was very jarring. Of like, oh man, like <laughs> they really need this group to to stay healthy. So I think I covered nine training camps. I've never seen a second or third string offensive line and be like, solid. Look great. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and it, you see it in the preseason, like every single you know what unit I like third... on this team. <laughs> that second string offensive line. Yeah, they're, just, they're loaded. Like that just, that doesn't happen. Yeah. So that's fair. Uh, Elijah Mitchell also hurt. Whether he's it's a hip, Kyle Shanahan said abductor, but then the 49ers transcript says adductor. So I don't know if that's the transcript mishearing or if they're helping the coach out and putting the right injury in there. Yeah, because typically the training staff will give Shanahan a list, like a written right. list. Right. So I would imagine the transcript potentially would have access to that list so they could get it right. Either way, abductor and adductor are both in the hip. It's just mm-hmm. whether it's the inside of the hip or the outside. Well, it's all in the hips. <laughs> right. Right. Happy Gilmore jokes in 2023. Sure. I'm interested with this, though, because A, it's another injury for Elijah Mitchell. But if Ty Davis Price is really having the training camp that Kyle Shanahan has said he's had and, and everybody that we've spoken to who's there is saying he's had... I do wonder if this opens the door for Ty Davis Price or Jordan Mason, for that matter, to work their way into a real role in the offense that Elijah Mitchell might have consumed all of. They, like we said in in the previous pod when we projected the fifty three, their running back group might just be really, really good. Like their it running might... back group might be the best unit on the roster. Yeah. It's not crazy, particularly if if Ty Davis Price can catch passes and be like a threat out of the backfield, like it sounds like he is so far. Yeah, that'd be huge if he could be a be a receiver. Speaking of, and then we can get out of here. But we talked last pod about Kyle Shanahan gassing up skill position guys. He talked about Danny Gray today. Another player who was like Ty Davis Price, a third round pick last year, who I thought might be on their way out this year based on what we saw a season ago. Is this him gassing up Danny Gray enough in your eyes? I'm going to read the quote to you. Is this him gassing up Danny Gray enough for you to feel really good about the direction Danny Gray is headed? Because as we said, when Kyle Shanahan gasses up a, a skill position guy, that's worth perking your ears up and listening to. Here's what he said. I think he's having a real good camp. He put the work in phase one, two, and three. He was able to get through OTAs working hard and not having an injury. And he obviously spent the 40 days away well because he's catching the ball. He's in real good shape. And he's been out there very consistently. And the ball came his way a little more today. Is that enough for you to get excited about Danny Gray? Yeah, I I think one thing Shanahan tends to be critical of is is the work guys put in during the offseason. He loves the 40 days away, dude. Yeah. Like he's, you know, if he's, if he's gassing up a player and doesn't mention that they've 
really put in work in the off season, then there's a decent chance that Kyle in Kyle Shanahan's mind that that player like might not be where he needs to be coming into camp. Right. And in Shanahan's mind, that's sort of like starting camp behind the eight ball and it's hard to get out yeah. from that spot. Yeah. So I'm optimistic from that sense that Danny Gray has put himself in position to get better in training camp as opposed to just like catch up to everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a same, the, the same thing could be said about Ambry Thomas. It sounds like there's a similar, similar thing happening with him over on the other side of the ball. Yeah. So yeah, I think, look, they, they like Danny gray for what he could be right. Not necessarily what he was in college. It's more about what he could be. And the concerns I heard, what were about practice habits, preparation, things like that. And to hear that he's at this point where, okay, he's had a really good off season. I think that's, that's a good sign because we know if the 49ers lack anything in recent years, it's been sort of that true deep threat, like Mm -hmm. that true speed guy. Mm -hmm. Cause it's been like Travis Benjamin and Ray's. (laughs) <laughs> raise mcleod i don't even know if he's he's a speed guy i don't know if he's much of a deep threat but so he could give the offense an element that it doesn't have and the offense has yep. lots of elements but it doesn't have this one so that that would be interesting mm-hmm. yeah you see where he would benefit them for sure so i think they're going to give him opportunities it's wild how much the transition from college to the nfl is just learning how to practice it yeah. reminds me of going to high school to college where you actually have to read the books and <laughs> go to class. Maybe that's not a, <laughs> that was an adjustment for me. I don't know if that was an adjustment for everyone. But... Um, yeah, I'm going to leave that one alone. It's just wild. It's just wild. How, how often th- this coaching staff and a guy's second year is like, yeah, he really had to learn how to be a pro. Your practice habits stink in your first year. That's crazy. That feels like the year you would want to do the most in practice, but yeah, I don't know. That's where I'm at. Can I'm I tell re- you something? Oh, go ahead. go ahead. No, no, no. You go for it. Was yours football related? Mine was not. No. Okay. So I'm going to say mine first. Okay. I'm done with, I'm done with football stuff for today. I learned tonight. My wife is from Kansas. Grew up in Kansas, moved out here a few years ago. And I learned that before standardized testing in elementary school, they would give the kids peppermints because there are studies that say peppermint helps your brain function. I learned that tonight. You sure it wasn't peppermint mocha? I had a peppermint (laughs) after dinner and I feel dialed today. I feel like I've been really locked in. It wasn't peppermint creamer? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just peppermint, like an after-dinner mint. Okay. I feel like I'm locked, Coach. All right. I, I love that for you. I love that for you. I was going to say I, I was gonna say I'm really bad at ending pods, so I'm just going to say let's go. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Because I, I can ramble at the end of podcasts about nothing that's particularly helpful. So maybe That's my favorite part, honestly. Really? Yeah. On bef- shooting the shit with you before the podcast, and then once we've wrapped up the football stuff, 
during the podcast is my favorite part of every show. I'm just plowing through the football stuff to get to the bullshit. (laughs) I I think the listeners would probably disagree. They're like, all right, once the football stuff's over and we get into that punchy mode, they're like, yep. Putting on the ringer NFL show or something. Shout out, shout out to whoever listens. Who's like skipping this football shit. Skipping all this. (laughs) Fast forward. When, when Tyler's got that exit music on and we're still like talking too much. Yeah. Tyler probably started the exit music three minutes ago. He's like, this pod's over. <laughs> He's like, I'm, I'm so sick of editing these dudes. <laughs> Shout out to Lamb Chops, sglambchops.com. Use that promo code Candlestick20. Get yourself some shorts, get a hoodie, whatever season they got clothes for you. We will continue covering training camp. Next week, we'll have a couple of guests. Chris is going to be on assignment. Super excited for, uh, for you. And stay locked in to Candlestick Chronicles. We're not going anywhere. Subscribe, rate, review, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. See ya. What?